I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless lakes of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. This is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul. We're finishing up our reviews of Breaking Bad. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Kelly from Better Call Saul Fun Facts. Hi, Kelly. Hello. So, Kelly, we're up to 514 Ozymandias. Yeah, the best episode ever, 10 out of 10 on IMBD. Uh, yeah, this one took everybody by storm. And uh, written by Maura Wally Beckett, she won an Emmy for an outstanding writing for this one. Um, and she was up against Vince Gilligan for Felina. Uh, but, yeah, this one is definitely a very favorite episode. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, definitely 10 out of 10. But interestingly for us, who, because we're doing this for Better Call Saul, Saul is not in this one. He's only credited in this one. Right, exactly. So hopefully, um, you know, with, with Better Call Saul, it's, a whole different premise, but man, if you're going to watch Breaking Bad, this is the episode to see. So, so more about writing. This was actually named after a poem by Percy Shelley. Did you have any fun facts or anything related to that, Kelly? No, I figured you probably had the poem. <laughs> Cranston reciting it was just awesome as they as they um, played it before we saw this episode in real time back whenever whenever this first aired. But it was very cool to listen to him recite that poem. Yeah, I have a little tidbit of that later on in the episode. Uh, but yeah, that definitely that poem, if you listen to it, really goes well with this episode and Breaking Bad overall. Yeah, and Ozymandias, the theme of the poem essentially is the inevitable fall of all kings and empires. I guess Ozymandias was a king way back thousands of years ago, and he was great, and he ruled all, over all, and then he eventually f- failed and was defeated. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, so we see a flashback, Kelly, from like almost two years earlier inside the RV. We're back at, at Tahajali, right? And we see the RV and the boys are in there cooking away. And Walt very tell- tellingly says the reaction has begun. And he's definitely right about this. Um, but they're back in a happy Tahajali. Uh, Walt and Jesse are just kind of goofing and joking around. Yeah, you know, what's okay, well, first of all, i got to point out a couple things that's interesting. Is One, the, the teaser here in the beginning, there is no credits. Uh, I didn't notice this, but they don't do the credits till way after uh, the second scene. You'll start to see them pop up, which they actually had to have that approved. Um, but this scene was the last scene that they ever filmed ever 
for the whole entire series because of the hair situation. Um, Brian Cranston has a wig on, you know, but they had to have all the hair and everything different for the final uh, scene here. So um, when Brian Cranston and Jesse are in the scene and he walks up to Jesse with, you can see a shot of his underwear. Uh, at one point, Je uh, Aaron Paul was so distraught that he, uh, Brian Cranston kind of messed around and took his underwear off and mooned him. So, you know, you're looking at the last final shots of Breaking Bad right here. Yeah, that's cool. You're right. They usually do the credits after the opening credits after like three or four minutes. And this was like 25 minutes in. Right. And this is the real crystal ship, you know, the real RV uh, from the beginning. And, you know, they really are just taking us back, which I found so cool. So they look pretty happy. They're goofing around and they're cooking the first time. And Walt calls Skyler way back when they were, you know, kind of happy. And they talk about having pizza for dinner and talk about the name Holly for the baby. Um, and then they fade to reality and it's the ending of Tahajali from last episode. And um, that ending is not good, Kelly. No, and, and also when they're showing Walt talking to Skyler and reciting his lie, this is the first lie that we see in a slew of thousands of lies from Walt, but his first lie to, to Skyler. Yeah, he's kind of rehearsing it, right? His mm -hmm. bogged on lie. Yep, first one out of many. <laughs> so in, during this fade back to real time, they kind of fade out of Tahajali, fade into the real scene of the gunshots from the end of Tahajali the episode before this, and the, we see the real length of these gunshots, Kelly. It's like three or four seconds is what it probably took in real time. And the results of this action with the gunshots are not good for Hank and Gomi. Um, them being outnumbered is pretty obvious what's going to happen. Go Gomi's dead, and Hank is really badly wounded. Uh, Hank's gun is empty, and he tries to get to the shotgun, but Jack gets there first. Uh, and they notice that Pinkman is missing. They can't find him. The, the rest of Jack's crew is looking for Pinkman, for Jesse. Um, yeah, I figured Jesse ran off somewhere. I, yeah, too bad he didn't. Right. Um, Kenny, Kenny looks in Gomez's wallet and sees that he's a DEA agent. And that changes things for, for Jack. I think it does anyway. They're, uh, this is the first they realize that Walt's friends and relatives are with the police right exactly and you know and it's it's sad because you can see them all circling him like buzzards uh but you know hank isn't going to show fear but you can see in his face at some point that you know he knows he's done well they bring they bring walt out and walt's kind of screaming no 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 from the tr from the back of hank's rv or not rv but suv they bring him out still handcuffed, and he starts to beg for Hank's life. And then, Kelly, I thought really stupidly, he just reveals the money and tries to buy off Jack with this money without even – doesn't negotiate, doesn't do it in any tactful way just or tactical way. He just kind of blurts it out. Well, I think that he knew that Jack was close to ending Hank's life, and he didn't have much bargaining power except for money. I mean, what else could he do? You know, he'd do anything to save Hank. Yeah, but Jack has no choice but to eliminate Hank. They go back and forth a little bit over Hank's real name. And Hank's really brave right up to the end, but we see the end. 
Um, Jack takes him out and shoots him right in the head. Ozymandias falls, Kelly, there. There's got to be some fun facts about that scene of Walt falling like Ozymandias into the dust. Yes, actually, there is. Um, And this is cool because Ryan Johnson, who did this episode, who directed it, uh, had such a great idea that he wanted when Brian's head hit the sand, you'll notice that the dust puffs up and the earth literally cracks, which is like a visual for the theme of of the poem. Um, because the ground cracks, it dismantles, kind of like Walt's psyche. But what they did is they used a jigsaw puzzle plate underneath the dirt right there so that, and he hit it perfectly in one shot. Uh, but when he fell, you can see it literally crack, uh, just like a fallen king. And it's a beautiful shot. Yeah, that was very, very cool. I like to uh, Jack. Jack, Uncle Jack, kind of reveals his old school vernacular here. He's like, "Oh, so I see what got this party started." And you, you guys with your fancy phones and your GPS, I just say go east on the forty. He's like an old school dude, but he's starting to get a GPS lesson here. He's going to see how GPS works. Um, they GPS their way over to the money, and they find seven barrels buried in the hole that Walt worked on a couple episodes ago. Um, pretty ironic, Kelly. The hole becomes the grave of uh, Hank and Gomi. Yeah, it's very sad, and I, I, you know, I don't like them when they show them being dragged. Uh, but you know, of course, with Breaking Bad and their their crew, they you know dragged Hank a lot further, Dean Norris a lot further than they needed to as a joke. But it was a very dismal, sad scene, and uh, I felt really bad for for Hank and for Marie. Definitely a downer for sure. What did you think of, of Jack's criminal honor in giving Walt that one barrel? It, uh, it was one tiny bit of respect that I had that at least if, again, with the money, if he was, with, after all this shit that's happened between all these people, that at least he ends up with something to leave his family. Because in the end, that's really what he was trying to do until he decided he liked it, of course. But I just didn't want that money to go to them, all of it at least. You know, I noticed something in this rewatch, Kelly, that the wiki notes say that Todd talks to Jack and convinces him to give the money to Walt as kind of an apology for what they just did to him. I don't know if you caught that. I just caught that on reading the wiki notes, and then I went and rewatched a third time. I watched the scene, and you do see uh, Todd talking to Jack right before he gives him the barrel. So it's like Todd talked Jack into giving up this barrel. I... I didn't catch that. I'd have to watch it again. I was under the impression that Jack said, if I didn't give you this money, then my nephew would never forgive me on his own accord. I didn't yeah, re- that's because of what Todd had just said to him. Oh, okay. If you read the wiki, it tells you that. And then when you go watch it, it doesn't make sense after you read that description. Oh, great. So that was, that was Todd, really, that Walt had to thank for that money. Um. Now, Walt sees Jesse from his Ozymandias crashed position with his head flat on the ground. He sees Jesse because his head's right on the ground, and Jesse's underneath the car. Um, now, Jack shakes hands again with Walt here, Kelly. More, more honor. Jack wants to know that they're square. He has very tangible um, habits showing his honor. He needs the handshake. If you don't shake my hand, we're not good. Pretty cool. Pretty old school cool, I thought. Yeah, he is very old school. 
and and probably too i don't i don't know if this has much to do with like prison or how that works but maybe just you know honor among thieves in a way kind of like hey you know we're gonna take everything you've worked for but i'm gonna leave you this barrel and if we're square kind of saying you know you're not gonna retaliate like are we cool it's weird though how a handshake makes it all good and not giving the handshake makes it all i'm gonna have to go another way right very very funny Mm-hmm. Uh, funny in a very dire scene, uh, but Walt still wants Jesse dead. This was this was hard to watch too. He calls him out, points him out underneath the car. You still owe me Jesse's death, and I found him. And he points out where he is. Oh, it's heartbreaking, you know. And they they had to dig like a, a little pit because you know obviously they're real in reality. There's not enough room to just grab you out from underneath a car. Um, but yeah, I I thought Jesse probably ran off in all the chaos. So to find out that he was a underneath the car and B Walt's going to give the opportunity to give him up was absolutely shocking. Yeah. Not much, not many places to run and hide though on a, in a flat desert like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he would have no choice, but to hide under the car. So Walt literally gives the nod to have Jesse's execution happen, but Todd steps in, Kelly intervenes um, and I got I think we got to give Lydia credit for this, right? He's he's trying to trying to keep. He says he's trying to keep Jesse alive so they can grill him about who knows what. But I think he's trying to keep Jesse alive so he can help him do the cooks. I agree a hundred percent. He wants to impress Lydia, and Lydia last said, "Please make the cooks better. It means so much to me." Uh, and who's going to do that better than having Jesse? And next we see Walt tell Jesse about Jane. Totally unnecessary. Walt, I mean, what did you think about Walt at this point? Well, you know, I I knew when we were watching Fly, if you recall, he was going to come clean to him then. And at first I thought that he was probably just saying it just to get it off his chest. But then his face turns very evil. Um, But to, to tell him that on top of being dragged off by this Nazi crew... I, I mean, I'm not sure what to think. Maybe it's just kind of revenge for bringing everybody out there and getting his, his brother-in-law killed, or at least he's blaming him for it. Yeah, you're, you're probably the biggest Walt fan I know, and I don't, I don't know how this could ever be excused because there's nothing beneficial that could come of it. It's just spite. It's just me, being mean to Jesse. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So they we see a nice wide scene of Tahajali, the whole scene of how beautiful it looks as, as Walt leaves. But on the way, Kelly, he runs out of gas. He's got a bullet hole in the tank of his 300, and he has to roll that barrel through the desert. <laughs> yep, he's got to roll that barrel, and, and I'm sure you're aware of as he's rolling it, you can see a shot of his old pair of tan pants that flew off the RV in the first uh, pilot episode yeah how many people do you think would have picked that out if it wasn't pointed out to them um boy i did a fun fact about it and people were losing their minds uh so i get and and this is such a crazy scene and so much has happened um you know it's very very hard to see it i noticed it but you know i wouldn't blame people if they hadn't so walt finds uh he's rolling the barrel to i don't know where and i don't know if he knows where, what, I mean, what direction would you head in? You're miles out in the desert, just rolling a big, heavy, hundreds of pounds of barrel of money. But he comes across an old Indian's house, and, and this old Indian has a truck, and he buys that truck for $10,000. Yeah, 
And I think this is where we saw the credits, right? This is like way into the episode and we first see the credits after all this action. Exactly. Yeah. They had to um, have the director's guild uh, okay it. They didn't want to at first, but, you know, sometimes they just have to make exceptions. So the next scene is Skylar at the car wash still trying to reach Walt. Now, Kelly, this whole scene of the last episode to Hajali and this part of Ozymandias, they're only about an hour apart, right? Walt just left the car wash, zoomed out to, to Hajali, and then all this stuff happened right away. Right. Yeah, so it's not much time. Yeah, everything goes really, really crazy, full force. Um, but now this is the scene where Moya uh, Wally Beckett is in, uh, where RJ's giving her the money. Uh, that is the the writer and Emmy winner. Okay. We yeah. also see Marie show up, and Marie's gloating and tells Skylar she needs to talk to her and kind of just marches back to her office at the car wash and tells her, lays down the law, she needs to give up the DVD source of the blackmail, and she needs to tell Junior. This is all pretty heartbreaking to watch, pretty pretty tough on Skylar at this point. Skylar, Anna Gunn is, is a really fantastic actress, and she really shows it here in the last, I mean, all the time, but in this last season, and the look on her face is just absolute horror. Like, I don't want to tell my son. Are you kidding me? That's the most thing she's worried about is her kids. Yeah, there's a lot more horror to come, so don't worry. Yeah. Jesse's in his cell now in that pit in Nazi land, whatever, whatever they call that compound, their, their Nazi playground. And he's beaten to hell. His face is pounded. Uh, did you realize, Kelly, that that was Todd that probably beat him up like that right away? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was Todd. I think it was probably all of them because they sh- they find out that he was narking on them uh, from the video that they got of Hank. So they just had a party and beat him up for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very creepy. So Todd takes him out of the cell and takes him into the into the lab in the lab the workstation. Um, that dog collar was evil, Kelly, but it was really effective. It was, was, was a pretty smart way to keep Jesse locked up while he was working. Right. And having the picture of Brock and Andrea at the end of the chain really wasn't hurting their case any either. You know, it's just a very passive aggressive way of saying, if you mess with us, well, guess what? You know, we know where your loved ones are. Yeah. They had already thought of that before they even had to. Mm-hmm. And then the cheerful, let's cook, let's cook, buddy. So the the psychopathy of Todd is really kind of showing here. I thought I thought it was probably Todd who did most of the pounding on Jesse. And now he's all cheerful, let's cook. I, you know, I just think he's a total psycho. Yeah, he could be also kind of getting back to after him because of how Jesse hit him uh, after killing Drew Sharp and wanting him to get kicked out of the group. Yeah, so. yeah, maybe. <laughs> Well, back at the car wash, Walt Jr. has heard all this news now, and he's just devastated. Um, the weight of all these truths being revealed to him is just killing him, man. It's, it's just, he can't believe it. So he's wiped out. Skyler's just sitting there sobbing. Um, that was a tough scene to watch, too. Jr. getting kind of the truth revealed to him was, was hard to see. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of remorse. He's saying you're as bad as him and this is bullshit. And I remember just thinking, oh, my God, like Hank knows now. Now Walt Jr. knows like there's really no turning back now. Yeah, we see a couple scenes quickly in 
in sequence here. Walt shows up at the house packing like a madman, and then Skyler and Junior are driving home. She tells him to put on his seatbelt, and he's like, you're, you're shitting me, right? Um, he's right. You know, what are you worried about that for when you got all this other stuff happening? She's just a mom, I guess. Yeah. So they get home, and they, they catch up with Walt, and Skyler asks about Hank. And she knows Kelly, this where's Hank. She knows Hank had him, and now Hank's nowhere to be seen. Um, I don't know. That was pretty telling, I thought. But Waltz cheerfully says, I have 11 million. Let's party, baby. Let's go. Let's have fun. Now, he's, he, he wants to get out of there with the money and just disappear with his family. Um, yeah. She, she, first, they pull up and see that really old truck. And the barrel of money, and he's all dusty and frantic. And the last thing she knew, Marie had called and said, you know, that um, Hank had him dead to rights. And now he's free and at the house. And her, that acting she does, you know, where's Hank? You killed him, didn't you? Is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it's interesting that she whispers it, and then Junior kind of catches it. And he's like, what? Hank was really Junior's hero. That would be pretty tough. I have nephews, and I was a nephew to people that were my uncles, and I could just kind of feel that feeling that must have been going through Junior's head when he hears this, like, my dad killed my uncle? Crazy. Yeah, plus um, Walter White screws up there and says, I tried to save him. So he kind of slips up there, you know, and that's when, of course, we have Skylar heading for the knife because she knows... Uh, that Walt is capable of anything at this point. Yeah, the knife or the phone, Kelly, the knife or the phone. Did you ever hope she picked up that phone instead of the knife? Well, you know, the whole thing was just so shocking. I didn't expect her to come at him like that with the knife. I just didn't. I thought she'd probably call the police. It's. It was the same counter, too. It was interesting. The same countertop as the beginning of the episode from two years ago when they were doing the little flashback. Exactly. Yeah. But she tells Walt to get out and he tries to reason with her. He's holding up his hands and kind of advancing on her and she just slashes his hand. I was brutal. Um, And then if you noticed, I just noticed this too on the rewatch. They made like a storm sound, like a, like a wave crashing or a storm sound when she slashed his hand. It went kind of slow motion for a second. Hmm, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They they slipped that in. It was just like two seconds, maybe three seconds, but it's like a it's like a whooshing sound of a storm or a wave or a crash or something. And then well, they wrestle. There oh. all these things happen. They wrestle. The baby's crying. Kelly, I was just waiting for some someone to roll onto that knife the way they were holding it up like that. I thought the same thing. And and what's crazy is that you know you a lot of times they will use. Uh, stunt doubles, but the only part that they use a stunt double on is when the two of them fell to the ground. Otherwise, all that wrestling was Anna Gunn and Brian Cranston. And what's really crazy, I got to give Anna Gunn credit here really fast, is that she shot three scenes this today. She shot the part where ba- she's running after baby Holly first, then she shot this scene, and then she shot the flashback. So, you know, I just have no idea how hard these actors really have to work. That's a lot in one day. Yeah. Well, the whole scene of the wrestling was really tough because Walt and Skyler are wrestling. You thought, okay, one of them's going to get stabbed. Then Junior yeah. jumps in, and you think, okay, he's jumping in. He's going to jump on the knife. Boy, that knife was just waiting to stick into somebody. 
<laughs> yeah, and then he turns it on her. Uh, then Walt Jr. turns it on his dad and says, my dad has a knife. He threatened my mom. But it was the other way around. <laughs> you know, she had the knife. She threatened him. Yeah. Yeah, Junior does get him broken apart. And then Walt kind of says, what are you doing? We're a family. He kind of screams it out. And Skyler's just sobbing. Junior does take control. He calls 911 and mm-hmm. he, he's brave. You know, he's brave and he does something super hard. He's like calling the cops on his dad. Oh, man, pretty brutal stuff. Okay, so things get really simple after this, though, because Walt just grabs Holly and runs out the door. <laughs> if, he, if he can't make it, if he couldn't do anything to make it any worse, it would be this. Grabbing the baby and screaming out the door in the... In, in your car and bashing away through another car to get away. Exactly. And, you know, I went over to the, to that house, the Walter White house, and I tried to imagine that scene being recreated when I was standing there and, uh, Anna Gunn, that's was the hardest scene she's ever, she's a mom in real life. And that was a, you know, if you see the, um, behind the scenes episode, she's crying and Ryan Johnson, the director, um, because that was a really tough scene to have to go run after that car and then fall on your knees over and over again. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah, and then I'm sure they did this in the post-production, but that they made really discordant music. Like, music didn't, didn't sound good at all. It sounded really screechy and weird, mm-hmm. very stressful. That really added to the scene, too. Right. All right, so next we see Walt at the baby station, the diaper table, and he's changing Holly. He's kind of cooing to her and telling her, you know, everything's going to be okay. And she starts to say mama. And I think that clicks it in for him. He's He realizes he can't keep this baby away from mama. No, and that mom was standing off stage, and, and uh, that was totally not planned. And Brian Cranston just went with it. You know, he's the guy is just such a genius actor. And when that baby, when Holly started crying for mama, my heart was just melting like, just take her back. Take yeah, her back. Me too. I wanted that baby to go back home. Me too. What kind of life is that baby going to have on the run, hiding out and sleeping in cars and stuff? I think he took her just because he wanted to have some semblance of family, because that's all he's been fighting for. But, you know, I don't think it took long to wear off. Like, oh, uh, shit, why did I take the baby? You know, you're right. What kind of life is a baby going to have? So, Kelly, I'm interested to what you have to think about this next scene at the house, at the White House, when the authorities are there. Because at this point, they've called, you know, they've called 911, the police and authorities and everybody shown up. Uh, Marie's wondering about Hank. Hank's a, really a mystery at this point. He had everything under control and now he's nowhere to be seen. And then Walt makes that call. Kelly, who can hear this call? He calls the telephone and it looks like Skyler can hear it. She's on the phone, and the one cop has like a listening device, so he can hear it. And they're holding like a recorder right up to the phone, but that call wasn't being broadcast into the whole room, right? It wasn't like it was on a speaker. No. Are you talking about how Marie responds? Yeah. <laughs> when Walt says something about Hank, and then she starts crying. Yes. Yeah, I was under the impression the same as you that only her and. That guy, the detective, could hear it. Um, but yeah, when he when he confesses about Walt, Marie just loses her mind. And I guess really, I mean, that, I mean, it was a good way to get it through. But I was confused too on on how she would have heard that. Do you think she might have just reacted to Skylar's reaction? 
Um, yeah, because she asked, you know, how's Hank? First, it's all about the baby and everything, and then she asks about Hank, and then all of a sudden, Marie, you see her look over, um, you know, and they says you're never going to see him again, and, uh, you know, I, I would assume maybe she just knew, she already may have known if if Walt was out and free, what else could have happened? I guess if you were the wife of somebody and and you heard the question being asked, where's Hank, and then you just sobbed, it would be a bad sign. <laughs> Um, How long did it take you to clue in on the fact that he was that Walt was trying to get um, Skyler absolved of any wrongdoing? I'll be honest with you, Kelly. It took me till after the episode was over. <laughs> me too. I didn't catch on to that right away. So Walt does something very genius here. If, after you've seen the episode, everyone knows it now. But he's railing against Skyler, ranting and confessing and criticizing her. But also absolving her of all the crimes. Like, I built this, nobody else. You you don't claim any credit for it. You screwed up like you always did. You you didn't know. So he tries to get her off the hook and pretty effectively does, I think. Yeah, I thought it was pretty well explained where it was kind of making her look like, you stupid bitch, you don't listen. You know, I, it was all me and, and getting her out of any trouble. Yeah, and Skyler even says, I'm sorry. You can see the clues by looking at her face. She, she, the realization crosses her face during this ranting and raving by Walt. Right, exactly. So then we see the fire department. Um, Kelly, did you have any facts about this chessboard, the clues and stuff with the chessboard, the firemen playing chess? I do. Um, and Ryan Johnson, again, owed to the director, uh, knew exactly how he wanted the chess piece to look as an end game. I don't play chess myself but the way that it was explained is that he wanted the white king to be a few moves away from checkmate um so they had they didn't know how to do it so actually tom schnauss one of the writers they called him about midnight and had him explain how to get all the pieces together uh, but it's funny because one of the guys one of the firemen was the bass player for santana which is like hmm, interesting but yeah so you see the chess game and and um I mean, they just think of every little detail. Yeah, and of course, White, the White King, Walter White, and the King Ozymandias, it all kind of ties together. He's exactly. A, he's a couple moves away from being checkmated, and it seemed like uh, it seemed like Walt was getting away, but we didn't know for how long or for what, you know, f- or how, what, what getting away really meant. He left everything behind. Right, and I mean, I don't, I would never have noticed that. Um, but yeah, the one, the one fireman was a bass player from Santana, and the one that finds Baby Holly was in a Ryan Johnson movie called Looper, which I've never seen. Um, but if you've seen that, that's where you probably recognize him from. So let's just finish it off. Walt turns on, he, he's he goes to a firehouse, turns on the lights inside one of the fire engines, and leaves Holly in there so the fireman playing chess at that chessboard could notice the lights and go go and see this this fire truck with holly inside and find holly with the note um walt had to figure out how to turn on those lights that seemed like it might have might have been pretty tough to do too but um i just i don't know why i think of that but that seemed pretty interesting um but my heart broke for walt at this point like he's gone he's left with nothing now um yeah, I, I my heart broke for him too. My heart broke for little Holly crying, and I, I don't know how they got that shot 
but they just they, they had two babies they were using uh, and it was like really late at night when they were filming this but how did they get that little baby to kind of peek out of her coat like that is just amazing yeah i don't know but it was perfect yeah absolutely amazing then you got to see one of your phone snaps into kelly I'm still going to get a phone and just snap it in half. It's on my bucket list. And then the next morning, we see the disappearer again at the at the dam with the gravestone-looking rocks in front of it. Walt's on, his run, on the run now. He's getting picked up by the disappearer. Now, what do you know about these dogs? They talk about three different kinds of dogs. The dog runs past like a stray dog. Yeah, they have the dog at the end here. Then they have the rabid dog. And then they had the problem dog, which was Gail, Jesse, and then now this dog at the end was just running across. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that was supposed to symbolize. I think that's Walt. He's, he's a stray dog. He doesn't have a family anymore. He's homeless, so he's just a stray dog. Yeah, perfect. So um, if you want to read, um, unless you want to ha- talk about him here, Kelly, there's a million fa- fun facts about this episode. I don't know if you have any more that you wanted to add from from your fun facts website um no i i know there's a there's a million of them on there that we haven't touched on but yeah i don't i don't have any more on my end all right well let's just do the quality ones like better call Saul fun facts and breaking bad fun facts um which are your websites how do they find those websites um i have breaking bad fun facts and better call Saul fun facts on facebook and same name on instagram and you have a new one you have a new one coming out yeah, it's called Better Call Saul Fun Facts, and it's an open group on Breaking Bad, or I'm sorry, on Facebook. And okay. you can post and comment and do whatever you want on that one. That's an open group. Okay, awesome. So that was it for Ozymandias. Um, we're doing these coverages of the old Breaking Bads to catch up and to kind of get, get in stride for the Better Call Saul podcast we're going to do for each of the Better Call Saul shows. Um, my Twitter handle, if you have any questions or want to add anything to the podcast, is at Scathing Tweets. And Kelly, what's yours? BRBA underscore Fun Facts. All right, Kelly, we got two left. I'll see you next time on Granite State. All right, sounds good.